We will return to the political realm for this week's episode. I think you will be surprised at how significant I think the reaction to John McCain's passing is. We're going to start right there on today's Corey Truax Show. This is the best thing, the best thing that could be happening. And I think you would agree the best thing is that it's happening to you and me. It surprises even me that I'm going to come to this microphone now and try to convince you that the reaction to a sitting senator's death, something that's happened fairly often in American history, uh, someone who's in the Senate dying while in office, is actually really, really important. And we're going to get there just in, in just a moment. My name is Corey Truax, helping secure the blessings of liberty since 1986. We are a show that's dedicated to better talk on culture, theology, politics, philosophy, sports, movies. We try to talk about lots of things from a smarter perspective and hopefully we'll be able to do that today with some current events as well. You know, we always try to talk about the ideas behind the events. And so if you didn't hear this week, early on this week, John McCain, or maybe it was last weekend, Saturday or Sunday, it was announced John McCain stopped having his treatments for his brain cancer and allowed the the natural advance of that disease to take its course and John McCain is no longer with us, his uh, his funeral, his proceedings uh, for, for for all of those uh, events will be this weekend. And that's sad because, from a Christian perspective, we hate death. You know, it's not it's not actually natural. When God made man, He made man and woman not to die. It is an effect of sin. is It is an effect of something abnormal, something that God did not uh, that that God did not uh, intend for humankind that we die. And so. It's sad for him and his family, and he certainly has a legacy in the political realm that is controversial. Uh, but you know, outside the political realm and his personal life, it is not controversial that it takes a certain kind of laudable man, a real man, to ha- to have placed in front of you the opportunity to stop being tortured, the opportunity to stop uh, staying in in squalor. Like he, like he did in Vietnam, and stay with his stay with his men. This is an unquestionably honorable, brave, courageous thing to do, and so that part of his life doesn't need any kind of controversy to to discuss. But really, it's not his life, as is often the case. The story itself, the headline itself, is not where the story is. The place where the story is is behind the scenes. What are the ideas that are leading to the story? And so from three perspectives, from three perspectives, I want to talk about the reaction to John McCain's passing. And it's, there's, there are certain ones of these that's going to make all of you happy and all of you mad. Literally no one listening to the show. From your current perspective, whatever you are, Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative, you're a Christian or you're a secularist, all of you are going to be made to feel uncomfortable at some point over the next 50 minutes or so. Because that is what biblical thinking does, right? Biblical thinking is always going to make some folks uncomfortable because the flesh is uncomfortable with biblical thinking. And so certain loyalties you have and certain ideologies you have will be made to feel uncomfortable. But we all need that, right? We need to be challenged. That is, uh, it's, it's one of the important parts of life, to live a life that is engaging with ideas and inputs that would challenge you. So we'll start with one that will probably make the right mad and the, excuse me, the right happy and the left upset. I want to start with the media. The media should learn a lesson here from John McCain's passing. If we take a second to reflect 
on what John McCain meant in mass media. The media who despise this president so much, and if you listen to the show one time, you know that I don't like him either. The media should be able to look back on John McCain and their treatment of him and at least realize their role in creating him. And John McCain's a perfect example of this. Here's why. John McCain's a decent man. John McCain is one of the good guys. He, I disagree with him a, a, probably a good bit. I would say maybe half the time on policy. But he was a good human being. The same thing goes for Mitt Romney in 2012. There's probably not a more honorable person in our politics than Mitt Romney. He is he's a Mormon. He's of the Latter-day Saints. He therefore has a false salvation and a false uh, a false religion. But in terms of just public behavior, in terms of private behavior, how he has behaved himself over his 60-some-odd years of life, we might not have a more honorable person than Mitt Romney. But for John McCain and Mitt Romney, they were called by this media, the American media, bigoted homophobes, racist, sexist, bigot homophobes. Why? Because they were running against the media's favorite person. They, ran, he was, they were running against Barack Obama. So the media needs to look back. You guys were big fans of John McCain. You liked him when he was doing things you thought helped the left, helped Democrats. But the moment he was opposed to the person that you guys thought was so important, the most important political figure of your lifetimes, you called him all the most terrible things. And here is what you did to a certain number of Republican voters. You made them decide... Well, if you're going to call everyone we put up a racist, bigot, homophobe, if you're going to call everyone we put up a disaster, we're going to put up a disaster. If you're going to say that everyone we put up as a nominee is the worst person that's ever lived, you know who we're going to nominate? The worst person. That's what we're going to do. So to the American media, you need to know where we are right now politically. You were a big chunk of this. When you stared at John McCain, a moderate at best, he might lean to the left in his politics when he was with us. And you decided that he was a dangerous conservative that was dishonest, it was wrong, and what you created was a frustration that led us to exactly where we are today. That's not an excuse for those that are acted irrationally in this last uh, election primary. I, I do need the media to understand, though, that you did partly cause this. Same thing with Mitt Romney. You told us he was the worst person who ever lived. He was a monster. That guy? And when you do that, you cause such a frustration that people say, okay, fine, fine. If you're going to put every everyone we put up, you're going to say they're the worst people in the world. We're going to get the worst people in the world to go in to fight you back. That's not the right reaction. That's the wrong reaction. Nevertheless, that was their reaction, and you, the media needs to know that they caused it. It took me back to this moment. It was getting played a ton in uh, on, on TV. This is a, a moment from John McCain back in the 2008 campaign. I want to break it down line by line, but he's being confronted here at a at a town hall by a woman who is scared of Barack Obama, uh, who was in my lifetime the worst president we've had. I think that is inarguable. Uh, in ter- especially in terms of results, economic results. Uh, but here you go. This is a, a woman speaking to John McCain back in 2008. I got to ask you a question. I do not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. Okay, so first, I am going to break this down line by line for this woman because we need to do this. That's not a question. So, hey, I've got a question. I don't believe in, I can't trust Obama. Right, so that's not a question. That's a statement. 
and you're very confused. So th this is something we need to, to acknowledge. There's a lot of people out there that don't know enough. So don't be this woman that doesn't know enough things to be holding the opinions that she's sharing. I, I have read about him, and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. All right, so here's all the things she gets wrong there, and then we'll get the John McCain's reaction. She's read about him, I'm sure she has, on the internet, on some disreputable place. He's, she, she gets none of this right. She's trying to say one of two things, and I'm not sure what she's trying to say. She's either trying to say he's Kenyan, that he was born in Kenya, he's from of African descent in his nationality, he's therefore uh, not eligible, or she's trying to say he's Muslim, and therefore she can't trust him. But the word that comes out of her is Arab. So she doesn't know the word Kenyan, or of African citizenship, of African country citizenship, or the religion of Islam. All she can get out is Arab, which is a national, it's, it's like a, not a nationality, uh, but it's an ethnic group, of which he is clearly not. Barack Obama's not Arab at all. And so she knows literally nothing. Everything she thinks she knows is wrong. This is one of my Ronald Reagan quotes. I love, he said it about Democrats, but this is just true of Americans. The problem with Americans is not that they know so little, it's that they know so much that is not so. And this is the problem with this woman. It's not that she knows so little, it's that she is convinced she knows a lot, and a lot of what she thinks she knows is wrong. And so here we have John McCain, who has a woman saying, you know, Barack, Barack Obama's an Arab. Here was John McCain's response. He is not. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's, a, he's a decent family man, citizen, that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues. And that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. And good for him. Now, he could have done, done better on the other, some other parts of that campaign. Is Barack Obama an Arab, whatever she meant by that? No. But, you know, did he have com literal communist influences in his life? Yeah, he should have hit him harder on that. Does he essentially think America's foundational principles are bad and that they should be more uh, more global, uh, more even Europe, maybe if not, if not uh, global, than of Western Europeanism? Yeah, probably. That's all true of him. I mean, he, he certainly does not like America where it's from. That's just true. So he, he could have done a better job on that. But this is that guy right there. That guy who st stopped a potential voter, corrected her to do the right thing in the moment. You called him the worst person that ever was. And so when you do that enough, you'll get enough people frustrated that they've done what they've done. And the media should know that that's, that was part of their problem. Uh, so... But, but from the John McCain there, and for all of my policy disagreements, I do love that moment for him. That was the right thing to do. That would only hurt him. Letting that woman say the incorrect, just stupid thing, and then moving on to another question, another comment, that's the easier thing to do. But he, he did the right thing. He said, nope. You know, he, he even probably went too far. You don't even have to do the whole, you know, he's a decent family man. You just correct. No. So he's, I don't know what you mean by he's an Arab, but he's not. And let's get back to the actual issues. For all of you who are like that woman, maybe, recognize something I've given you before. You hurt your own cause. When you do the he's a Kenyan thing, you or, or he's a Muslim thing, what you hurt for all the rest of us was the ability to explain to people that he, no, he's not Kenyan and he's not Muslim, but he does not identify with the foundational principles of America. He is 
mentally, emotionally, and philosophically not American. But that you, then we couldn't even make that argument because it made it seem like we were making an argument about his nationality or something like that. So John McCain did a very good thing there. He, it's one of his better moments in his political career. So the other categories of people I want to talk about. Since John McCain passed, President Trump flipped and flopped a little bit. So first he wasn't going to acknowledge it at all. Then he was going to acknowledge it as a tweet. And then he did the thing with the flag, lowered it half staff for a day, and then moved it back up because he'd never liked John McCain. John McCain never liked him. Imagine that, that those two guys didn't get along. Who could have guessed it? And so I want to talk about this from the Trump supporter perspective and then from the president himself and what we can learn about ourselves from John McCain's passing. We will reflect back on that when we come back for the rest of the Corey Truax Show. Welcome back to the Corey Act Show. Thank you for sticking with us. You can connect to the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. Uh, you can also get the show on demand at CoreyTruax.com, Anchor, Apple Podcast. Uh, let me actually point you to CoreyTruax.com, where there is a section where you can request me to come speak at a given event that you might be having. It's a thing I enjoy doing and do fairly often for different parts of my life. Uh, so CoreyTruax.com for that. And coming up here soon, we're, we're likely going to be able to have a way for you to support the show, if you are so inclined, through Anchor, uh, that app that hosts my podcast. Uh, it has a way for you to maybe help pay for some of the things that cost to do this show. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It looks like that's going to be launching here soon. So we're talking about John McCain's passing, things we can learn uh, about ourselves from it. And so we first talked about the media. The media should reflect back on this and see what they can learn. I think for all of us, we need to reflect back on the fact that we kind of lost the one thing John McCain was really good at. John McCain should be celebrated for his civility. That he didn't see anybody as his enemy. That he understood politics to be just one part of life. It wasn't the end-all and be-all of everything. And so he could be nice. Often, I didn't, I didn't like the results of his niceness. Sometimes he was, giving, he was giving in on things he shouldn't give in on. But, you know, you can be winsome. You can be happy and actually disagree. I, I don't think we have... I think we probably lost that altogether. Uh, but he he was that last bastion of that attitude. Okay, so what else can we learn about ourselves? I would love for the Trump supporter to reflect on this as well. So I had an interaction on Twitter with a Trump person who found out the President of the United States was doing everything he could not to recognize John McCain's passing. So he didn't want to lower the flags. You know, it's it's super normal for the President of the United States to lower the flags to half staff, but before we get there, the uh, what was his first thing? That's it. Yeah, it's pretty normal for a president to put out a statement, you know, a long statement, honoring the passing of a senator, especially when that senator is not just um, is in currently in office, like a sitting senator. And the president was saying he didn't want to do that. He had aides saying, you know, at least tweet something. And so when it was be- being made clear that the president was not going to do this, that he 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 didn't want to honor John McCain because of their spat. Remember. President Trump said, horrifically, every POW should be mad at the fact that the President of the United States said in 2015, before he was president, that he doesn't he likes his war heroes not captured. Now, John McCain's not a war hero. Or if he is a war hero, it's just because he was captured. He likes his war heroes not captured. That is a horrendous thing to say. And so, you know, John McCain said some bad stuff about him, and 
you know, for for Trump, you know, Trump, for, for Trump, he is the center of his own universe. So if you say bad things about him, you're a bad person. Doesn't matter what else you do in your life because you said nice things about me. So therefore, you're a good person. And if you say bad things about me, it doesn't matter who you are. You could be Billy Graham, but if you say bad things about me, then you're a bad person. That's is this is how he works. And so they had their spat, and they didn't like each other. And so. Donald Trump didn't want to honor him in any way. And so when that was happening, I saw Trump supporters actually had a really terrible interaction on Twitter with one of them talking about that was how that was great. It was good. It's the right thing that Donald Trump not honor this guy because here's all the terrible things about John McCain and he should not be honored in his death. Like literally making the argument that a decent human being who we had policy disagreements with, we, we want to say terrible things about him after he's dead or at least ignore him. That's what we want to do with his memory. And then the next day, the president does the right thing, and he should be applauded for it. He does the right thing. He has the long, uh, the, the long statement honoring him. He's going to keep the flags lowered and all that stuff. And you know what I saw with the Trump people? Well, that was the right thing to do. You know, that was, that was good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he did it. So for the Trump supporter, it's very fast. I would just ask you to ask yourself, do you believe anything at all whatsoever? Do you have any principles or morals whatsoever? Because if you're using this president as your North Star, like what literally whatever he does is good, you got a major problem in your life. So if if not honoring John McCain is good, and then he changes his mind and honoring John McCain is good, and you just believe whatever he believes, you are the problem we have in the country. There was enough people that did it with Barack Obama. There's enough people that are about to do it with a different liberal or Democrat, whoever the next presidential candidate is there. Be better, be smarter, develop your thinking. You know, I had... I've been saving a picture on my phone. I guess I'll never get around to posting it, but I was blown away back in the South Carolina primary, which feels like years ago, but just a couple months ago, when John Warren was running against Henry McMaster. And I saw someone post, someone I like, you know, was posting about John Warren and definitely want to encourage you all to go vote for John Warren. And some older lady comments on the picture, poster, yeah, this, this is actually, down, by the way, it's John Warren and McMaster at that time were in a runoff. So Warren had been all over the news. And this woman's comments on this poster, I've never heard of him. Does he support our president? That was the question from the older lady. Not what does he think about taxes. Not what's his thought, what are thoughts on abortion. Hey, tell me about his background. What kind of business was he in? L- literally no concern... For any policy or philosophy, question what is what does he support our president? Guys, that's so stupid. It's so mindlessly dumb. And it will fail us. Forget about it being this particular president. That will fail you no matter the personality. If you are deciding what is right and what is wrong based on what a personality tells you, you are on such shaky ground. And this John McCain passing has has uh, has revealed that in a lot of people that you're 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 for whatever the president's for and you need to be better than that if that's you and you're listening to me be better than that have your own independent thoughts and systems and principles and how you figure out what should and what should not be what ought and ought not to be it has to be better than just that one personality and then it's for the president himself come on man this isn't even hard this is your job to just say something nice about a... I mean, he was a war hero. Listen, he, he certainly had plenty of problems uh, on policy. 
you can't find it in yourself to just go do do the adult thing. You know, I, I get annoyed at folks that say, um, who, uh, who was it? Oh, yeah, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods got in trouble here recently because he said you should honor the office, honor the office of the presidency no matter who's in it. And there's certainly an, an argument. I understand what he's saying there. But to, to that, I would actually respond. All right, Tiger, but he's going to need to honor it too. Right? He needs to go honor the presidency. The, the position is bigger than the personality. And your job, Mr. President, is to grow up, put petty stuff behind you, and do the job. If you want everyone to support or at least respect the office, you have to respect the office too. Like, guys, well, we, we are talking about something, something unprecedented here. Like, we had the death of a first lady, Barbara Bush, and then we're going to have a funeral for a... A, a senator who served too long. He was in the Senate too long. I think 1987, I think is when he started. That was, uh, I think he was elected the year I was born. I was born in 86. He took office in, in 87. And the President of the United States is not going to be invited to either funeral. He's not welcome at either one. Now, is that because he's being snubbed by the by the globalists, the Bushes and the McCains? They're the globalists, and they're just snubbing him. No, that's because he, he misbehaves. He's embarrassing. He's an embarrassing person who doesn't do the right things. So, th- this is something for the president to reflect on as well. Hey, man, you wanted the job for whatever reason you wanted it. You got to grow up and you got to do it. And if you're going to demand respect all the time, if you're going to demand decorum and, res- and respect for the flag and respect for the office, you're going to have to act that way. You're going to need to grow up and grow into it. You know, for all the hullabaloo that that guy causes about kneeling for the national anthem and the American flag, how disrespectful is it of the American flag to hate on a war hero? To disregard and to ignore the passing of a war hero. Come on, man. You need to reflect on yourself in this and get better and do better for uh, for the entire country and your, and your personal behavior. Okay, so that's some lessons we can learn, the different things I saw coming out of McCain's passing that we can hopefully grow from. It's trying to get again to the ideas underneath the headlines. A couple other stories this week that I, I thought there were some some things we can learn about ourselves that we need to get to. I don't know if you saw, but there was someone taking pictures as the president was visiting an elementary school, and he, he was getting made fun of on some of the late-night shows because he was coloring. You know, he, he sat down to color an American flag. That's a very normal thing for politicians to do. The president deserves no criticism for sitting down to color. Because he has a reputation of not necessarily being the brightest, it, it might be funny that he was... You know, Sitting with crayons. Like, that's kind of funny, uh, but that deserves no criticism. That's a very normal thing. Politicians do that when they go to schools. But it was, someone was taking pictures, and it was clear the president was, he colored the flag wrong. So he was coloring the American flag. This guy that wants you to stand for the American flag seems to not know what it looks like. Instead of the stripes being red and white, he colored some of the stripes blue. And, And so I actually posted on Twitter, does this matter? Does it matter? Does it mean anything that the President of the United States colored the flag wrong? Nope. Doesn't mean it at all. It's, uh, it's utterly meaningless. It should not be in the news. I hope I'm the first person telling you about it. I hope you never heard about it. It was such a non-issue that no one reported that. However, we can learn something from it. I need you to be honest with you right now, knowing that most of the people that listen to this show and podcast come from the right. If... Barack Obama had colored the American flag incorrectly, 
what would you have said of him? Would you have added it to your anti-American thing? Would you have said, see, he's he doesn't even like America. He doesn't know how the flag is. He didn't, he didn't understand. Is that what you're going to do? I, and can we can we not pretend? Oh, I'm so right about this. You, It should resonate in your heart how right I am about this. If Barack Obama had colored in an American flag incorrectly, there is a 100% chance, 100%, that it would have led Fox News every hour. Every single hour of Fox News, it would have been called Flaggate and how much the president doesn't know and how ignorant he is and how anti-American he is that he doesn't even know how the flag looks. So, I need you to be honest with yourself. If you would have been offended by it, if you'd have made fun of it for one and not the other, that's a problem. we got to get better. We have to do better on how we evaluate the news. You know, I'm coming up here soon, I think September the 9th. I'll be preaching at Beachwood Church. Hey, you're invited to Beachwood Church. We meet at Greenville High School, downtown Greenville. Downtown Greenville, Greenville High School, 1030 on Sunday mornings. On September 9th, I am preaching doing Romans 12, uh, just the first two verses. In verse 2, it talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So think differently. Your mind should be transformed, should be new. And how does that happen? How does your how do you get transformed? By it's it's the renewal of your mind. And so you have to ask yourself, what influences your thinking? What disciples your thinking? Is it Fox News? Is it CNN? Are they the people that give you your filter on how you evaluate information? Or is it the Bible? How how do you filter information? Is it how you were brought up? Is it your heritage, whether that be national or uh, some kind of religious heritage, denominational heritage? How do you evaluate information when you learn uh, new things and you hear new things? How are you evaluating it? The Bible would call you, Christian that's listening, to, to have a renewed mind, that you're putting things through a renewed perspective. That's a scriptural perspective through the Holy Spirit informed reading of the Bible. So I'm asking you, renew your mind. If you know that of yourself, you know, yeah, I would have reacted that differently if it was President Obama. Well, renew your mind. Mature. Grow up some. Okay, so that was one, coloring of the flag. Uh, I want to go back to then, yeah, so the convictions. I didn't get to say my piece on what happened with Manafort and Cohen. Uh, that was about 10 days ago. So the, the lawyer for Trump, Cohen, he takes a plea deal, uh, pleads guilty to basically campaign finance issues, Manafort was found guilty of some things totally unrelated to the president. I want to make that clear. The Manafort convictions, Paul Manafort, who was running the Trump campaign for a while, what he was convicted of is way outside the Trump timeline. It has nothing to do with his connections to Donald Trump. And then Cohen, I guess is more troubling if you are if you think there's anything to uh, a Trump impeachment. I don't. I, I think the guy is going to serve out his term... And if the economy stays strong, probably win re-election. I've made my peace with that. I think it would help everybody if everyone would make their peace with that. So everyone stops freaking out. But I did, again, trying to get you to work on your mind. And trying to, for those of you who have your mind straight, to help others think through this. If you take a politician you don't like, take Barack Obama, take Hillary Clinton, whatever you want. If someone who had run the Barack Obama campaign... Let's take David Axelrod. David Axelrod did run Barack Obama's campaign. Let's say he was convicted of some stuff, some tax fraud. He had some, he was convicted of things, and it happened ten years before he ever met Barack Obama. But let's let's pretend David Axelrod. 
that Democrat strategist, he was convicted of some tax issues. And Barack Obama's lawyer, let's say he had a personal lawyer, pleaded guilty to some, uh, some campaign finance issues. Would you be talking about a culture of corruption? Would you be saying, oh, man, we know Obama's dirty. We know Hillary's dirty. We know. Look at the people around her. Look at the people around him. They're all getting all caught up in all kinds of legal trouble. I need you to ask yourself that question. Be honest with yourself. Is that how you would react? Because right, right now, for the Trump folks, it's, it's a lot of defending of him and saying, and saying what I just said. You know, well, Paul Manafort stuff has nothing to do with him and with Cohen. You know, we, we, I guess we have to let it, let it sit. You, you need to recognize that for the moderate American who barely pays attention, this definitely does not help the president. That two people who are close to him are in legal trouble. You need to recognize that and recognize for yourself, if you have some kind of bias in that, that it's not, it's not a healthy intellectual thing to do. And then one other thing I wanted to get to that was, yeah, re- uh, relevant to this. The, the primary part of the Cohen plea deal is for me was this it is an admission we can now confirm so what I'm about to tell you is not speculation what I'm about to tell you is facts I'm about to tell you things that are true in this world things that took place it is true that Donald Trump before he was president committed adultery with various women that one of them this playboy model not Stormy Daniels but an an actual playboy model because Stormy Daniels was a porn star but not a playboy model Wanted uh, apparently carried on an affair for a long time and wanted money to be shut up in 2016. So this is not an old payment. This was a payment specifically designed to keep information away from American voters. That the president knew Cohen was going to pay her. That he lied about... that. I mean that word. you got to get that word in your head. He lied about knowing. He said on Twitter and in interviews he knew nothing of these payments. And now we know he knows he knew about the payments. That should matter to you. Whoever you are, doesn't matter. The biggest Trump supporter who listens to me, you should care that he tried to hide it from you. That he knew that Kelly McDougal was going to come out. He directed someone to pay her to shut up and to buy her story. And then he lied about doing it. All of what I just said to you is confirmed true. That doesn't mean that Hillary would have been a better president. It doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that you need to be honest with yourself about what is true and what is false and, and, and embrace the consequences of that. So that the reaction to these convictions has not been, has not been uh, at least, uh, I don't know, encouraging? That's a, I haven't been encouraged by the American people in a long time. You know, what's interesting to me is the president, if he does get in any kind of, I don't know, legal trouble, his best defense is would be this. So um, if he gets in trouble right now, it looks like it would be about campaign finance. That it's he's using money in a way to, uh, to affect a campaign. When his best defense is, this has nothing to do with the campaign. This has to do with just my own reputation and my, my marriage. And he can actually point to a, he can point to a lifetime of paying women off. It's not just Stormy Daniels and McDougal. He has been committing adultery with various women for decades, and he's been paying them off to be quiet about it. For decades. And so he actually has a really good argument. It's a horrendous, perverse argument, 
But if someone says, you paid Miss uh, McDougal off to, uh, to protect yourself in an election. Like, no, I didn't. I've been paying women off for years. This is just normal stuff that I do. I, I get my lawyers to pay off women to shut up about adultery all the time. I just don't want Melania to know. This actually is... I should, I should have done that in my Trump voice. I'm just trying to protect Melania. I'm trying to protect the marriage and Baron. Don't want them to know what I've done. Like This is, this is just nor- normal par for the course stuff with him. And so now we have all that confirmed. It doesn't change anything. I don't know, I don't know why folks on the tr- on the Trump side they tend to think if you say any of this, what you're saying is Hillary Clinton should have won. No, no, I'm not. Just telling you something that's true. That's all I'm doing. And we all need to live in the world where we call good good and false false, and uh, that we're not living any under under any other pretenses. Uh, when we come back, I have several other stories I want to get to. Probably none of them in the in the political realm, and then we're going to talk sports. The uh, college football season starts like now. Uh, It's coming up just, if you're listening live on Saturday, we are just hours away from week one getting started everywhere. We'll come back with that and more on the Corey Truax Show. Going into that break, it occurred to me that I was about to break a pledge I made on this show. Uh, Because my first episode ever was getting close to college football season. And very soon after the show started, I played one of my favorite sermons, or parts of one of my favorite sermons from David Platt. He was pastoring in Alabama, probably the state that cares the most about college football. And I think he just did a very good job in a sermon one time explaining how college football can become an idol. And I pledged to talk about that sermon or play parts of that sermon leading up to football season every year, because especially in the South, it's true. It's one of those things that uh, holds too much of our attention often, too much of our affection. I know that I even struggle with that. And so uh, I always want to bring it up as we get in, that we all, as much as we love football, that it is just football. And it it means nothing about ourselves. And so uh, let me just remind you, uh, the best part of that sermon was this. David Platt did a really good analogy where he said, if you brought in an alien from outer space to a weekend in Alabama, and on Saturday, you you bring him in on Friday, uh, and so, excuse me, on Friday night, so on Saturday morning he wakes up, and he sees people getting up early, putting in all kinds of effort to prepare meals and uh, in their vehicles, and they get dressed up in very special clothing, and they drive hours out of the way to go to, to a parking lot in front of a big building, and they experience community like you've never seen and friendships. And people, that, they don't even really know. They seem to have a kindred spirit among them because of the unity of what they're taking part in on this Saturday. And as, as some kind of competition is getting close to starting, they all walk into this the stadium together to what can, can only be called a shrine. And there's some kind of worshipful attitude and environment and unity in this place as they worship around this activity that's happening. And then the same group of people go home and they get up a little late and sleepy on Sunday morning, make a hard decision about whether or not they're going to go to this other ceremony that no one's really talked about all week. Because all week in the town, people were really talking about that ceremony that was going to happen on Saturday. They weren't really talking about what was going to happen on Sunday. And they might make it or they might not. And they kind of complain about it. And they really didn't want to be there. And they keep their eyes down, their eyes averted. And they never really interact with anybody on this Sunday ceremony. And actually, when they're at the Sunday ceremony, all they really do is talk about what happened on the Saturday ceremony. 
and he's and David Platt in this is challenging. What do you actually care about? What do you actually worship? Where do you find worth? Where do you find meaning? And for a lot of folks in the South, man, it college football, pro football, it means too much. And I do want to remind as we go into college football season that it's not nearly as important as you think it is. It's a blast. Football is such a good gift. I am so glad God gave us football to enjoy. But to remind you, especially in the college ranks, you're watching 18 to 22-year-olds. Get over it, guys. It's it's not a huge deal what happens with 18 to 22-year-olds. It's not a huge deal what happens on Sundays with the um, uh, with the professionals. It means nothing about you. It, the the thing that gets on my nerves the most about college football is the fans. That there is an actual it's an actual emotional reaction where someone somehow thinks because the 18 to 22-year-olds that I like because they performed well on Saturday in the 18 to 22-year-olds that you like, they didn't perform well on Saturday, I'm a superior person to you. It's one of the most insane things adults do, uh, the emotional attachment to it. And so going into college football season that starts here in a moment, and just a couple weeks from now, less than a couple weeks from now, the pro season starts. Just a reminder, always, that there's no real meaning in football. It's a blast, but it means nothing for eternity. Now, that, it, that brings me to one other story I did want to get to. Last Sunday, there was a young man, 24 years old, that you should not be called a young man, you should be called a man, who was participating in a video game tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, playing in a Madden tournament. So that's they, they play football against each other. He apparently had previously won one of these tournaments, and there's some money in winning these tournaments. Uh, he's obsessed with the game, it appears. He, he plays it all the time. And if you're going to win one of these tournaments, you do have to be somewhat obsessed with it. You got to spend your whole life on it. And this guy does. He didn't have a job. I think he was still. Yeah, things confirmed. Living with his parents, uh, he goes to this tournament in Jacksonville. He loses in the first round. He's humiliated. He's upset. He goes and gets a gun. Comes back to an environment that was supposed to be a gun-free zone, but it was a gun-free zone with not a lot of security in it. Just word to you: if you're going to provide a gun-free zone, you need to provide incredible security. If you're telling me I can't defend myself with my gun, you need to be defending me with guns. That's that's how that should work. And he went in and shot a bunch of people. Injured some, killed some. And it's just a reminder, this is not an anti-video game point. I just want to toss out there, the same way I would say to the college football fan, how your team performs doesn't mean anything about you. This is another way in which young men are trying to find meaning. It's in video games. We, We are not telling men to find meaning in getting a job and cultivating the earth and creating a life and then maybe marrying a woman and having kids and building a life. They're finding meaning in other things. It is our job as adults, as parents, as influencers to make sure we are pointing kids towards things that are actually worth having in life. And this young man did not have that. With that, let's do sports. away from the start of week one of college football. We are going to discuss that with our sports correspondent, Heath Powell. Hello there, sir. Hello. Uh, well, assuming you're listening live Saturday morning on Christian Talk 660, uh, then we are hours away from yep. week one. There were week zero games, right? The other one. I watched Wyoming. They look they look really good. I was surprised how good they looked. Even without since Allen left. Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hawaii looked really good. I was surprised. The Rainbow Warriors. The Rainbow Warriors. Well, now the teams that we all care about are about right. to take the field. <laughs> Oh, Zarek Cooper looked good, by the way, as well. Jacksonville, Jacksonville State. State. I watched that game with my wife. I don't doubt it. He was um, a great player. He was a little rusty at first, but then he, he kind of took off, and he is who everyone thought he was. Yeah. 
which shows you the talent level at Clemson where he really can't get on the field, but he can be a superstar at Jacksonville State. It's, it's a real dichotomy yep. that you really don't notice. Well, going into week one, there's not a lot of marquee games. Right. I think the most interesting is Alabama-Louisville. Uh, what are you most interested in seeing in that game? Yeah, it, I think it is the most interesting, not because of the, the game itself, because I think Louisville is going to get destroyed. I think it's interesting because of the Jalen Hurts to attack of Iloa situation. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts has only lost two games his whole career. Tua comes in the second half of the championship game and lights it up. So I think it's interesting to see how that's going to play out. Me too. That's That first snap from yep. Alabama is something I'm very interested to see. Because even right now, I have no idea who's going to take that snap. To me, it's, it's Tua, and it's Tua by a long, by yeah. a long way. But Saban is Saban. Um, and, and if they do start Jalen, to me, I want to see how long are they going to leave him in there before they give him the hook. Yeah. If he throws an interception, is, are they going to yank him? Or are they going to give him time? You know, you just don't know. And because we both assume that game is going to be a blowout, right? you should see both of them. You should. That both of them should get snaps yep. and to, to be able to measure who's, who's actually going right. to take it. Uh, the Clemson Tigers have the exact same situation. Yes, they're, they do. They're playing a team that are supposed to blow out. Right. Know, it's not even a Power 5 opponent. So you're going to see both quarterbacks. Outside of the quarterbacks, because we'll come to that, Yep. what are you most interested in seeing from – what is the most interesting storyline for the Clemson game? Like, What are you most interested in seeing besides which quarterback performs yeah. better? To me, it's the defensive line Okay. and the running backs. That's what I'm excited to see. I want to see ETN and Feaster. Okay. Um, I want to see the defensive line just because they're such freaks. My ideal, just to run a rabbit here, yeah. I would love to see Wisconsin make it to the national championship and have to play Clemson in the national championship because Wisconsin's offensive line averages 6'6", 325 pounds. Yeah, those are they have the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, Clemson players. obviously has the best defensive line in the country. Yeah, I would like to see that matchup. Just, you do? Uh, uh, in the trenches, dogfight, you know, it would be awesome. It would be a very NFL-level game. Right. Cause because they're both built like, quote-unquote, SEC teams, which really aggravates me. But yeah. people understand what you're saying when you say that, so yeah. I'm going to say it. So, to me, number one was actually the running backs as well. Right. Because everyone's talking about this Lin J. Lin uh, J. Dixon. That guy. But he should get a lot of time in this game, and we'll see should. actually how good he really is. And the hype is real. I am interested to – because I'm making the assumption that Travis Etienne has exceeded Tavian Feaster. I want to see how far he has progressed. Yeah, Etienne is the one, yeah. and I don't think it's in question. Yeah, I, I, want, I want to see, because apparently he's gained some weight. It is that, how dominant can he be yeah, in a Yeah, here's the weird thing. He's gained the weight and didn't lose any speed. Yeah. And not just speed, but quickness, which is two different things, by the way. Speed and quickness yeah. is different. Quickness change of direction. That's right. Speed pull away. His quick twitch uh, change direction, all that stuff. And they say he hasn't lost a step, and he's gained some weight. So That's great. That is the guy I am most interested in seeing. If this kid's not in the Heisman running in the next year or two, it's be surprised to me. And then always you're interested in... Uh, the receivers, right? You wonder about how much Furman can play defense. They anyway. can't. So it's Listen, yeah. there's T. Higgins, there's Justin Ross. I mean, there's still Cornell Powell, DeAndre Overton's still there, Hunter Renfro's still there. It's insane, really. My, I'm less excited about seeing them only in that. I don't think it's a good judge of the defense they'll play, right? And so, of course, just, is Justin Ross can have a big game, probably. Yeah. So is T. Higgins. So is E. T. N. So is Kelly Bryant. So is Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it just doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. It's it's a it's a live practice is what it's going to be, and that's not to denigrate. say anything denigrate yeah. Furman at all. But it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But well, the run game though is different because I actually think Furman's front is pretty good. Yep. I mean, it's it's a it is a uh, a high end division or a, what are they called an FCS? FCS. Or, yeah. They're they're a high end defensive line. If you remember last year or two years ago. 
They couldn't run the ball. Clemson could not run the ball at all on a little Troy. Right. Being able to run the ball on Furman actually does mean something. Oh, it, it, listen, Furman's defensive line is very good, but they've never seen anything like what they're about to see Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the top four running backs are the best running backs you're going to see all year. The South Carolina game with Coastal. Yep. I only have one storyline I'm interested in. Uh, their big problem has not necessarily been the, the quarterback, I don't think. They're, they can produce zero pass rush ever. Yep. I'm very interested to see these transfers they got, if this defensive line at South Carolina is going to be yeah, any better. I think so, too. But I also think it's time for Jake Bentley to either put up or shut up because he, he talks too much and he never backs anything up. Mm-hmm. So either stop talking and produce or do them both. I, yep. I don't know. You just need to keep your mouth shut until you produce something. Yeah. They were uh, they did not score a ton of points last year. Like they should have put up a ton of points on Coastal. Right. Uh, just same way uh, with the Furman game. I don't know how much I can how much I can judge their offense. Right. But I know I can judge that defensive line. Well, listen, Coastal's not a joke in that FCS division oh, either. Yeah. So, I mean, they could pull another Citadel on the Gamecocks. I'm almost positive Coastal's actually if it's not their head coach, their offensive coordinator is the old North Greenville right. head coach cuz yeah. he came over from Charleston Southern. Uh, so there's some connections for me there. Uh, beyond that, on the opening weekend, I don't. There are not a lot of marquee games. No, there's really not a lot of big, big name games like there have been the past few years. Yeah. Which I like those. You know, but there's a couple. So. Yeah. Here's what I care about: football is starting. Amen. You know. Yes. Just gonna watch some good football. We both, I'm sure, we have about three minutes here. We both have Clemson and Alabama. I'm sure. Yep. National. Uh, in in that in that hunt. Any other, is there a team that's out there going to surprise, you think, that that's really going to be at the end of the season? To me, it's Clemson, Alabama, Wisconsin, and Washington. Wisconsin and Washington. Yep. So out of that Big Ten, not Michigan, not Michigan State, not Ohio State. No, I think it'll be – I think Wisconsin and Michigan State will probably be the two best teams there. Wow. I, Ohio State is always probably the best team, but yeah. I don't know how what the hangover from this whole Urban Meyer situation is going to be. I just don't. Yeah. So I'm not giving them any shot, really. Does – it just hit me. There is a good opening. Michigan-Notre Dame. Michigan-Notre Dame, which game good. day is going to be at. And game day hasn't been there in six or seven years, by the way. It is at Notre Dame? It's at Notre Dame, yeah. That actually is a great football game. little trivia here. With the very first college game day, it was at Notre Dame. I did in not know 1993, I think. And that's Maybe Notre 94 or something. That's like Notre Dame heyday. Yeah. Uh, so, Washington, interesting call to me. Uh, so, that all, they, they open with Auburn. If it's they not do. open, it might be the week after. Yeah. Th- that's an early test for two teams that are – uh, if people are high on Washington. I, they, is Browning still there? He's still there. It's like his eighth year. Okay, maybe I should change my opinion on Washington. No, listen. They've got the skill guys just like Clemson, just like Ohio State. They've got a good, established, experienced quarterback. They've got a good defense. They've got good corners. Washington's no joke. That means something. When you have a three-year or four-year starter. That's right. It really does mean something in college football. It means a ton. And I, I thought I could have sworn I saw his name called on draft day. No, but, he came back, yeah. Wow. If okay. he wasn't there, I would not pick them. And if Peterson's still coaching there. He is still there as well. Uh, Southern California's going to drop off without Darnold. They're, they're going to win the Pac-12. It's just the question, is the Pac-12 good enough to put a team in, I guess? I think the Pac-12's in. I think the Big 12's out, even if West Virginia wins. So, um, you know, now you're, you're, you're changing my opinion. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Uh, I have and here's a little inside story about what, what we do we don't discuss any of this yeah until we turn the microphones on and and you throw something out there we talk about it yeah there's no plan there's we plan. don't plan anything yet. Well, i guess i have a plan you have no idea what i'm gonna do i have no idea what you're gonna do and so now <laughs> you got me thinking about washington because that was clemson alabama are easy yeah these are easy ends right for the playoff i was leaning towards west virginia because they also have a uh, experienced quarterback right oh don't get me wrong but Will can throw it all over the field but washington's but a better team all around washington's a better team 
they're in a better conference. Mm-hmm. The Big 12's out again. One last question on Wisconsin. Because to me, Michigan, because they got a guy out of the SEC, come play quarterback uh, from Mississippi. Yeah. Shea. Shea Patterson. Thank you. Shea Patterson. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. If they could get any kind of quarterback play, their quarterbacks have been terrible. But here's the thing. Harbaugh was so hyped when he got there. He hasn't done squat. He's going to have to prove something to me before I just pick him based off Shea Patterson showing up. So I am going to go Clemson. I'm going to go for Washington again. So it's it's Alabama, Clemson, Washington. And I'm going to stick with my, – my range was a Michigan. I was going to Michigan to the playoff. Yeah. Uh, because they got Shea Patterson. Well, so, I mean, you're going to have to take a Pac-12 or a Big 12. So which one gets the nod? Well, for me, it's Big 10, uh, Big 12. Because i I got to take a – Oh, you already put Washington. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You, when you say Browning's back, I'm in. Yep. I'm in for that. And so that is going to either be a West Virginia out of the Big 12 or Michigan out of the Big 10. Or was, you got Wisconsin out of the Big 10. Yep. Uh, who continues to have Listen, that incredible man. run game. Yeah. They've got the – one of the best run games in the country, and it's not just because of the offensive line. They've got great running backs as well. Yeah. I mean, these guys are huge. We have coming out next next week, helmets will have hit helmets. Pads will have pads. We will have scores. Dude, we're going to have cracking pads, drum lines. We're going to have it all. Cannons going off. And so when we come back next week, we'll actually be able to talk about what happened and all the chaos that was. It's a sad day for Clemson, though. They're not releasing balloons anymore. Because of the environmentalist. Yeah, you know. Wah, wah, wah. I know. <laughs> I, apparently, it's going to hurt a turtle or something. Yeah, it might land in the lake and you know, kill a swan. I don't know. The one last thought for me. <laughs> it, it was not environmental to me, but as a taxpayer, that's a lot of balloons, man. It's we, a lot of balloons, but it's only seven times a year. Seven and, home games. And okay. it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I guess I'm not into the pageantry at all. I am. It's the. It's awesome. Yeah, this is why people love the cannon goes off. The, the run down the hill. The balloons take off. That's why it's famous. You know. Yeah, it's a big deal because of that environment. But even I'm all teams, about the pageantry. That's why the NFL stinks. I love the NFL, <laughs> and there really is none. Right. There's no pageantry. It's get your job done. We're doing business. Dude, here. the drum lines going off. The cannon blows up. The balloons oh. take off. People running down the hill. It's awesome. You know, I've never seen it live. Which is weird. Oh, know. my goodness. We're I, going to the Clemson game. I should probably do that once in my life. We're going. Time. All right. I'm getting tickets. We'll be back with another new edition of the show next week. Thanks for coming and doing sports. Appreciate it. Until next time, everybody. Peace and love.